Kingdom Hearts did Donald Duck dirty. Oh, what okay. was Donald Duck's role in Kingdom Hearts? He's like they—they they made him like a wizard or something. Donald Duck ain't a fucking wizard. He's if just anything, a he's, duck. He's some sort of barbarian bard. Okay, mm. he's a professional adventurer who has never lost a fight. He is a hero to God and a god to heroes. He's a warrior poet with the pipes of an angel. He is Donald. Fauntleroy Duck. His middle name is Fauntleroy, but that F might as well stand for fucking because this duck don't back down. He's the best dad on the planet. He took in his nephews after a terrible incident with his sister. He sang them their mother's song when they were still in their eggs. I wrote that song before I got lost. How did you hear it? Well, Uncle Donald used to sing it to us when we were little. When surrounded by cutthroats, Donald thinks nothing of showing off his family. Why? Because he's Donald goddamn duck. That's why no one touches his family. Come and get it. You're no good. He took on local gangsters single-handedly, despite being, you know, right next to one of his friends who's a professional super spy. He sails towards the danger because he is the storm. Get ready for the storm. I am the storm. He fights the goddamn moon. And when he had to get back to Earth, you know what? Experimental fatal spacecraft that killed everyone who's ever been in it? Doesn't care. He's got to get back home. There goes the bravest man on two worlds. When there's like a magic beam coming from an ancient, powerful artifact coming to kill his Uncle Scrooge, he tanks that thing like a boss. He fucking adopts the clones of said uncle because, again, he's the best dad on the fucking planet. Who is good enough for this this king of a man? The one woman who understands him, Daisy Goddamn Duck, that's who. A fearless fashion designer that faced down literal Greek goddamn titan. Listen, you overgrown lawn statue, I've had enough! And this fucking queen sees Donald for who he really is inside, despite everyone thinking he's a lame uncle. Tell us everything embarrassing about Uncle Donald. <laughs> embarrassing? Your uncle was the cool one. She hears the beautiful voice that lies within Donald when most people can't even understand a word that comes out of his mouth because he's got like a speech impediment. Well, that's weird. I understand you perfectly. And despite this, he's an accomplished musician, a member of the three caballeros, world-traveling adventurer, musician, awesome guy. Say we are birds of a feather. Came to me wanting to be the best parent he could. So we channeled that anger into protective instincts. Every outburst is Donald wanting to protect his family. He loves you so much, the thought of anything bad happening to you infuriates him! Get away from my kids! And all of this, all of it, leads to one incontrovertible truth. Donald Duck Bucks. That's all, folks. <laughs> that was amazing. 
Hello and welcome to Medium Salt, the podcast that seasons 90s nostalgia with a little bit of time and perspective. I am your host, Matt, joined by my very, very, very good friend and co-host, Kate. This week is a light salt episode where we talk about film and related topics very briefly and on a timer so we don't salt up the works of your day too terribly. Today's topic is reboots. Movie reboots, TV reboots, boot reboots... How are they distinct from adaptations? What makes a good or a bad one? And probably some other stuff, too. Okay, definitely some other stuff, too. But first! Kate! How are you? I'm good, 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 good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, I really like your butt firsts. I need to find my own shtick. Mm. But yeah, um... We are recording this the day after Christmas, so I'm still on my Christmas high, which I will ride very handily all the way to Valentine's Day. So. You must be, because it's not the day after Christmas. Oh, the day after the day after Christmas. It's the day after Boxing Day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm also you get a lot of middle- sugar in your stocking. <laughs> <laughs> I have been spiking my coffee and cocoa pretty religiously all vacation. So mm. I, um, I'm in the middle of a three week vacation, so I don't even really know what day of the week it is. What day of the week? That's is fair. It? That's fair. Bloor's day. Bloor's day. I knew it. I knew there was a day of the week I was missing. Maybe Bloor's mm-hmm. day is the one day of the year. That's the leap year day. You just toss it in and one Bloor's day right. for you. <laughs> Happy Bloor's day. Happy Bloor's day. Yeah. It's Bloor's day. day is now the day after boxing day. It is. Yeah. We're just going to keep inventing new days. Or Bloor's day that. is the word for any day where you think it's a Friday, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Especially since it's Monday. Oh, damn. I thought you said it was Bloor's Day. <laughs> Bloor's Day falls on a Monday this year. Ah, Bloor's Day. I'm so sorry, Bloor's oh. Day. <laughs> it, it follows the astronomic calendar, so it's really hard to like predict. So. Oh, yeah, like how Hanukkah happened at Thanksgiving practically this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still don't really know the rules. Like I like to imagine that there's just some old dude who lives in a closet, much like the groundhog. And then mm-hmm. once a year, they like let him out and he decides what day Hanukkah starts. And one day he's going to get real cheeky and be like, March 1st. And they're all going <laughs> to be like, all right, here we go. It's Hanukkah, March 1st. Right. I know that there's probably some very specific astronomical way that they decide Hanukkah, but I'm going to keep this yeah. explanation for myself. Mm-hmm. Little Edwin, Edwin Hugelhoffelstein <laughs> living in the closet. <laughs> You just like knock on the door. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice closet, though. Like, like, hey, Joe, Joe, when's Bloor's Day this year? Bloor's Day is, happens the day after Bloor's Day this year. Oh, two Bloor's Day. It's a two Bloor's Day year. <laughs> you know what? Stranger things have happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep waiting for things to return to the new norm to to normal, right? Our normal, our our understood normal, yeah, and it's just not a thing anymore. Like this is Mm-mm. normal now. No, no. Mm-mm. 
You no. hope it's not normal? <laughs> I know. I know. I've been... Ugh. So every time I get a little bit optimistic, so I planned this really big New Year's Eve trip with my girlfriend, and we were so excited. We were going to go to, like, this 1920s glamorous flapper-dressed party, and they had, like, circus performers, and... We were going to like actually ring in the new year and be all excited about it and got us even got us like a VIP table that was expensive because I'm like, hell, I haven't been able to do anything or go out for two years. I may as well do it all at once. All of that's canceled now. Yeah. You want to make God laugh? Yeah. Make you know, plans. <laughs> tell them your plans. Um, yeah. And. Well, tell them uh, your plans. Tell her your plans. Yeah. I don't care. Tell the newly <laughs> appendages your plans. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's fun. Instead, we're just having a small party at my mm-hmm. house with like, and I say party to make myself feel better. It's three right. people who don't live here <laughs> who are coming over. <laughs> and two of them are cats. Yeah. Shh, don't give away my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It's just the stray raccoon gonna- that comes by every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, we're still going to try to make the best of it, but I've got at this point like $1,200 of canceled flight money that I've just okay. accrued over the last year and a half because of my optimism. Mm-hmm. I'll book a flight <laughs> in Southwest and then I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then uh, they have a very generous return or cancellation policy. Well, that's good. So at some point, I'm going to be able to just like fly to Hawaii or something. This right? would normally be really expensive. I'm like, well, I got all this money stored away. Too bad I, I can't already spent it. it. Might as well go to Hawaii. Yeah, whenever that's ever a thing again. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. I was at. I was at the grocery store and I saw a car with Hawaii plates. Mm. The other day, riddle me. I'm that. Just sitting there. I'm like, on a ship. It can't. It can't be cheaper to ship a car. <laughs> from hawaii than to just like sell it and buy a new one when you get here like that can't be cheaper (laughs) was it a nice car no it was just like a it was just like a regular ass suv like not even like uh like it'd be one thing if it was like a classic or like one of those models that has a really big fan base like i don't even i don't remember fully but it wasn't it was just a regular ass like ford explorer type thing Wow. I was I, I was questions. so confused. <laughs> the one reason I want to go to Hawaii, and this is going to sound absurd, which is why I'm saying it to all of these strangers on the internet, is that one of my favorite goldfish farms is on is in Hawaii because the the climate is perfect for just raising and breeding goldfish year round. You know, goldfish farm is one of those things that like of course exists. <laughs> but yet I am still somehow surprised to hear that it does exist. Yeah. Someday. One of my like life goals. You know how you have your big wheel of cheese goal that's attainable but too expensive? Like but yeah. you can get to it one day. Yeah, which now of course is not a not no longer a goal of mine, but Oh yeah, I guess that's true. What about a big wheel of vegan cheese? That's eh, not the same. Yeah, it's fair. I All can right, make well, need, one. I can make need, a big wheel of vegan cheese. Vegan cheese is like fine. <laughs> yeah, you just go to your nearest paper mill factory and just get a really big roll of paper. I'm just <laughs> fun of vegan cheese. Just kidding. There are some really good vegan cheeses out there. Although one of my yeah. favorite, 
things that I've ever seen on vegan cheese is the propensity to advertise that it melts. And I'm like, oh. Right, yeah. It, yeah. That is a <laughs> big deal. To, if you have to describe your product with a very basic, like, you know, yeah. that would be like labeling a milk. It's liquid. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh. You're, you're way better off just finding out, like, what it is about the cheese you're trying to emulate yeah. that is you're it missing flavor? and then doing something else, right? Like, with, mm-hmm. with all, if, like if, you're, if you want Parmesan for putting on pasta – you're better off doing something entirely different than getting vegan Parmesan and putting it on your pasta. Like you're better off just good vegan Parmesans. I think like I've just, I've just done the thing where I grind up cashews or macadamias with salt Mm. and garlic salt. And then that like, you get that saltiness that you get from a Parmesan Mm -hmm. with some of the texture using the nuts and you're like, there you go. Or if you want like a creamy mac and cheesy thing, like you're better off again. I like cashews a lot for this because they're such a high fat nut. Blend blend cashews with some water and uh, starch to give it that thickness, mm-hmm. and then spices to get it, you know, roughly yeah. there. Some nooch to give it cheesiness. But not not, not a vegan to... recipe podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. One time I was vegan for a year, and I really think I need to get back to it. Um, mm. So it's, it's the almost the new year. It's time to reevaluate all your life choices, but. One time I very ambitiously made this entire pan of vegan mac and cheese from this very complicated recipe I found online mm. that involved all sorts of spices. And mm-hmm. like I, I was very, very suspicious because a lot of the things that were going into it didn't like it wasn't a recipe that I could have made up because a yeah. lot of the flavors they were using were weird. And it was disgusting. I had an entire pan yeah. of trash. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is like. So you've had my cashew mac, right? No. I haven't made you my cashew mac and cheese. All right. I'll be right there in five hours. Wait, you were at, you were at, uh, my, my son's first birthday. I was, (gasps) was that your cashew mac and cheese? That was delicious. I thought, in fact, I think I remember saying this is delicious. (laughs) It's probably a good bet. That's a safe bet. Yeah. Although (laughs) I still need your pizza recipe anyway. Sorry. Not a vegan. (laughs) recipe podcast my attainable but absurd life goal is to fly to japan pick a beautiful show quality fancy goldfish and fly back Mm. with it and add it to my pond because i just really want to and that's it like i don't want to they will ship goldfish to you but they ship them in like a box and it's dark and it's really sad and I also just want to go and pick them out, like get one with really beautiful long fins. But sometimes when I just have some free time, I like to go around and look at all the goldfish farms because what they'll do is they'll raise them and then they'll pick specific ones that have like good qualities. And then they'll Mm -hmm. actually photograph or take short videos of them and put them up for auction. So you can just see all these beautiful fish swimming around. I'll send you a video later just so you can. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go look at some goldfish. Actually. Yeah, you are. You're going to fall in love just like me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like if you're not into aquariums and stuff, Mm -hmm. like the way that, like you acquire some of the rarer fish or pets or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it surprised me. Like I was never, I'm not in, I'm not into aquariums and stuff, but I had a, I had a coworker who was just getting into it Ugh. and um, he started just getting his stuff shipped to the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like sitting there working on whatever stupid VR bullshit I was working on. 
And then in would walk my coworker with like a box and he'd open it up and there'd just be like a bag of jellyfish. <laughs> like live oh, jellyfish, jellyfish tank. Just like yeah. chilling in the office. And I'm just like, so what's that for? He's like, oh, I've got a new, fi- I've got a jellyfish tank. Okay. You know, the funny thing about jellyfish is you can't have any corners in their tank because they'll all get mm-hmm. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I just found that very interesting. There are no corners in the ocean, apparently. So <laughs> nope. I would love a jellyfish tank. At one point in time, I think I had seven different fish tanks in my house. Right now, I'm down to one, which is very low for me. But I do have an 800-gallon pond outside. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I, I would say that counts. Okay. Well, It's just an 800-gallon outdoor fish tank. This is true. <laughs> um, whenever I do end up in my final resting place, well, that sounded grim. My final <laughs> place to live, I'm going to finally get into salt water and coral mm-hmm. tanks. It's really interesting because as climate change is ruining the oceans and everything else, um, one very robust form of, of preserving coral diversity is actually the aquarium hobbyists. They keep yeah, a lot of sense. corals and fish alive. I mean, you yeah. have to be careful. You don't want to ever get fish that are like wild caught because people will destroy coral reefs to get tropical fish. But there's a very, very, um, healthy and robust, um, you know, homebred. I don't know what the right word is. Not mm. taken from the ocean, Finding Nemo style <laughs> fish <laughs> thing. So, although it's so interesting, after Finding Nemo came out, there was just a slew of people who wanted clownfish, which are difficult to take care of. And I'm like, did you mm-hmm. watch that movie? The yeah. whole movie was about the yeah. fish getting taken out of the ocean. And Not to mention, like, saltwater tanks are such a pain in the ass. They are. Like, like freshwater. Like, yeah. Freshwater is hard to... People think fish are easy. This is also not a fish-keeping podcast, but bear yeah. with me. People think fish are easy, but they're not. Like, you leave a cat alone on its own, it will claw its way into your pantry and eat all of your flour. You leave your fish alone, there's nothing they can do, right? They're yeah. trapped in their own waste, and... um. They have to have water parameters that are controlled and mm-hmm. yeah. But anyway, we, maybe reboots. we should reboot this podcast to be <laughs> a vegan recipe and fish keeping podcast. Yeah. That'll be our April fool's episode. Speaking of reboots. Dun, dun, dun. Our segues on point. Always. How do you reboot boots? How do you reboot boots? Well, you, you take your boot. You put another boot on it. You take it apart, so now you have boot pieces, and then you just reboot it. (laughs) I stand corrected. (laughs) Okay, so reboots. Tell me your thoughts. I know you have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Well, first, for people who have never seen the movie, um, reboots are what happens when... it's It's like an adaptation, but I think the thing that makes it distinct from an adaptation is you're adapting it to the same medium it was already in. Mm, that's basically it's also mainly a way that studios and ip holders will refresh a brand to continue to capitalize and make money off of that brand spider-man right and spider-man is actually an interesting thing because the reason sony has to keep sony for a long time had to keep making spider-man films or they lost the rights to it and it would revert back to marvel 
Sony mm-hmm. didn't want that because Spider-Man's a big money maker. So that's why they just kept fucking more and more new Every ones. Every five years fucking, or whatever, more Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep making tons of money until finally, like, they worked, like, Disney and, and Sony worked hard. It was a hard time to get the deal to get Spider-Man in, uh, was it uh, a Civil War? Captain America Civil War? Yeah. Was that one? Yeah. And uh, that was a huge deal mm-hmm. um, in, in the entertainment industry tectonic plate shifting deal yeah and, and which has resulted in the the current spider-man trilogy which is going gangbusters um i haven't seen office. it yet i haven't either i haven't seen any of the any of the new ones the marvel ones oh wait i have seen the first new one but, i like the new spider-man although i i know that this is a well-held opinion on the internet but i cannot believe hmm. that they made marissa tomei aunt may she is not like Aunt May is always like a much older woman and Marissa yeah. Tomei fucking slaps <laughs> like she's great. Yeah. So I'm like, eh. well, the thing is, is like Marissa Tomei is actually age appropriate, I believe, to be Peter Parker's aunt. Um, But she's, you know, she just still looks young. Yeah, I guess in all of the Spider-Man things that I've seen before. It always seemed like they were more like a great aunt or great uncle sort of age because like yeah. Uncle Ben was great and so was Aunt May, yeah. you know, like they were much older. Yeah, but and you're I think right. That has to do a lot with like comic books and like the way that they were marketed towards younger people, so like parents mm. had to be old. Yeah, because like once you hit forty, oh, your life's over. Right, but also <laughs> like you know, you, the point is to 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 identify with Peter, not to identify with. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, reboots. Reboots. Um, What's your favorite reboot? Oof. Coming out swinging. I don't know if it counts as a reboot if it's from one language into another. Um, no, (sighs) see, that's tough. I would call that more of an adaptation. I think you're going with, um, are you you doing, uh, uh, what that, that, uh, Korean film? No. No, you're not? <laughs> no. Uh, it was actually City of Angels. Oh. Which was originally based off of a French film, which I think was based oh. off of a book. I can't okay. remember. I, th- I thought you were going to go with Departed. The Departed, the Scorsese film? Yeah. That was originally a Korean film called Internal Affairs. <gasps> oh, that's cool. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, well, I would call that an adaptation, <laughs> I feel like. I don't know. It's yeah. it's. it's it's very That's adaptation. an edge case, those kind of things, probably. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like true I'm lies. I'm trying to think of reboots, because the problem with reboots is, generally for our media consumption, I don't know if a lot of the movies that I like were previously... I like The Fly. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Because Jeff Goldblum is a reboot of the original, right? And so... Yeah, yeah. The new the, the new The Fly. The new The Fly, which is super mm. old. <laughs> was great. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of reboots that I like. Will you name some? Okay. Let's go through reboots. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll go. I'll jump right off the bat and tell you my absolute favorite reboot, which will be no surprise to anybody. Do I get to steal it? No. <laughs> okay. So my favorite reboot right now is uh, obviously Ducktales. Ducktales. <laughs> Ducktales is an amazing reboot that oozes like love of the source material and. Like, not only love, but just, like, knowledge of, like, the importance of every step of that brand along the way. Um, Even just, like, there's nods to Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. 
There's nods to, yeah, there's, there's nods to Quack Pack. There's nods to like the the Goof Troop, like the (gasps) the whole, the whole Disney, you know, duck verse thing. As I was trying to go to sleep last night, I was like, yeah, we're doing reboots tomorrow. That's exciting. And then I went, oh my goodness, Matt, you came up with this entire episode just so you could talk about DuckTales. (laughs) Oh, I'm on to you. That was, that was my secret, Captain. Mm -hmm. I'm always talking about DuckTales. As subtle as a (laughs) firework. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ducktail, it's it's awesome. They, you know, even the intro sequence is full of like, like it's got that like comic booky mm-hmm. kind of like halftone dot matrixy par- looks to it to like reference mm-hmm. like the comic books and how important those were to keeping the brand alive between like the 1988 series and the current series. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one holds on to brands like comic book fans, <laughs> like. <laughs> Followed closely by fantasy, epic fantasy fans, but like not even, it's really not a competition, right? Comic book <laughs> fans are just like a whole other plane of existence. Right. Um, but I wouldn't, like DuckTales is really well done and I really love it. I don't know that it's like the best example of a reboot or what I like to see in reboots, mm-hmm. but I do think DuckTales was done extremely well. I only saw a couple of episodes at your house, but I really liked it. Yeah. Like, it's it's just good. <laughs> DuckTales is good. Everyone, go watch DuckTales. Right meow. <laughs> yeah. It's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, it is on Disney Plus. Um, it's three seasons. Watch it. It's great. So another reboot that I think is is the kind of reboots I want to see more of these days, mm-hmm. just because it's not really done enough. Um, Ocean's Eleven. <gasps> yeah. Okay. The sequels were terrible, but Ocean's Eleven sure. was great. Yes, and Ocean's Eleven is a reboot. Of the of, original Ocean's Eleven. Of the original Ocean's Eleven, which was a Rat Pack movie. Mm-hmm. And the rap, the, that version, like, if you like classic films and you're a big fan of the Rat Pack, maybe it's okay. But if you're watching it today, like, that movie sucks. It's boring. Yeah. It's, it was really just a vehicle mm-hmm. for, you know, Sinatra and those Rat Pack guys to make money. Mm, that's what that's it was. It was just like, the, let's put these guys in Vegas on a movie and sell people tickets. Mm. Um, and the new Ocean's Eleven, like, while everyone in it is kind of a brand similar to the way Sinatra and them were, not really, it's not really the same. Right. Um, I feel like they worked harder to make it a really good, funny movie. It was they, fun. It's yeah, a fun movie. They fixed a lot of the weaknesses the original film had, and they, like, you know, the, the only thing really left was the core concept, which, you know, depending on the property, could be a terrible idea or a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um. But with Ocean's Eleven, it really worked. And that's the kind of thing I want to see. I want to see people take terrible movies that did not perform. Terrible movies with good ideas. Right. And then reboot them to make them good. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing I want to see. I will tell you what reboots I hate. And mm. I have not even seen any of recently, ever. <laughs> that was a mm-hmm. weird sentence. Woo! Disney deciding to make all of its animated movies into live action movies. Totally not yeah. about that life. Yeah, we and we touched on that a little bit with adaptations, because I think that's another one that kind of rides that line. Yeah, like it's clearly supposed to be the same story, right? Yeah. And what? <laughs> yeah. response to that. We're trying um, to grab for money. Children you know, deserve another, better media, too, you know? Another fun reboot that, you know, kind of took the original concept and brought it to a whole new level uh, was 21 Jump Street. 
Oh, yeah. You know, they took... They I took, can't say I it? enjoyed it, but I can see what they were doing. Yeah. Like, I like that they took this idea of, like, this silly TV show that took itself seriously mm-hmm. and then turned it into, like, a goofy comedy because the concept is just ridiculous. And You know what? I want to see a, a reboot of Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. I want a new Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. With new production materials and... I don't know if you've ever watched Murder, She Wrote. No. But I understand. I know the concept of it. Missing out. Yeah. Angela Lansbury is a fucking gem. And Mm. Murder, She Wrote, if you haven't seen it, it's really interesting because she's just really smart and kind and she leads this really interesting life. There's one episode that I distinctly remember. And this is only the beginning part. First off, she apparently has family everywhere. Every every episode, she's visiting family in some other country, or it's some cousin, or niece, or nephew, or whatever. Um, but in this hey, one episode... Okay. Huh? It was a different time. People had a lot of kids. <laughs> this one episode, she's going to the airport, and she's carrying this baby. And she bumps into this group, like she's meeting this group of nuns. And she hands them this baby and she speaks Mandarin to them. And then they leave. That's it. That's the only part. Like, that wasn't important to the episode. She was there to pick up her niece, but also take this, these nuns this baby. And, like, just from that one scene, there are, like, layers of her life revealed. Like, what right. are you? What is your life? I have to, like, I aspire to be Angela Lansbury. So, anyway. Human trafficker to nuns. And she also, uh... <laughs> Yes. Um, and she also <laughs> solves a lot of murders. So that's cool. Everywhere she goes, there's a murder. So she's Multitudes. also somehow accidentally a demon of death because. Well, I mean, there's one, there's one, <laughs> there's one thing that's the same in all of those situations. <laughs> it's her, right? I'm like, she's how saying. You, you go to a party, someone fucking dies. Don't go to parties that Angela Lansbury is at, but also she's delightful. <laughs> um, but reboots. So Cowboy Bebop, most recently. Right. Of. Obviously, famously. Terrible. I laughed my ass off when it got canceled after two weeks or was mm-hmm. three weeks. It was just like I watched one episode and I was like, "Yeah, this show sucks." And that's yeah, all I needed. I read that and I was like, "Matt was right." <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently, there's. Listen, this goes into some other complete different topic, but like the marketing machines of these of these big tech companies like Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff is absolutely ridiculous and transparent. If you know what you're looking for, like mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop, famously terrible show. A lot of fans hated it. It didn't have a a very large organic following. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I have I have a trick to do it, but I'm afraid to say it because then they're going to pick up on it. Like, you know, when something is organically good and there are fans of it versus when like it's a little bit of astroturfing. Mm-hmm. Because like the same thing is kind of happening with Wheel of Time right now, mm-hmm. where I only watched the first three episodes. I fucking hated it. There's a lot of people and they say, well, you got to watch at least the whole first season. It's like, fuck you. I don't have time for that. Right. Yeah. If I if I'm not caught in the first three episodes, your show sucks. Right. Like and who I, who lit this pilot? Because right. no studio executive is going to watch a whole first season before they say something's okay. Right. And then on top of that, it's like, listen, if it gets good after the second season or whatever, I'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'll go check it out. It's like like with Parks and Rec. Like the first season of Parks and Rec fucking sucked, but second season on, it got really fucking it good. Got really good. Yeah. To, to this day, like it's one of my, it's one of my favorite shows. If I tell people to watch it, I tell people to just skip the first season because you don't really miss anything. And first mm-hmm. season kind of sucks. Um, yeah, they hadn't established but, the characters well yet. So like the thing I'm kind of catching with like these shows, like Wheel of Time and Cowboy Bebop, is like you know you, you see all these news articles about oh actually like 
Amazon's Wheel of Time is good, actually. Here's why mm-hmm. the changes are good. Here's like blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then the like, same thing with Cowboy Bebop. It's like, oh, Cowboy Bebop is like this underrated blah, blah, blah. And then fans are clamoring and have a 50,000 strong petition to bring back Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, first of all, 50,000 people is a drop in the fucking bucket. No one gives a, sh- right. no one gives a shit about 50,000 people. Unless you're a small, tiny little shop, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we had 50,000 people listening to I us, would I'd be, be fucking so happy. Shit bricks. <laughs> but like a show like Amazon, something with that, that, that kind of budget behind it, like mm-hmm. it's nothing. And what I'm noticing is, like, despite all these articles coming out and all of these, I'm seeing a lot of social media posts about it. But what I'm not seeing, memes. Mm. I'm not seeing stupid little memes. I'm not seeing, you know, you don't simply walk into Mordor level stupid shit. Like, it's just like a screen cap and some text. I'm not seeing that. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, even if they weren't funny, like, even if they were just bad, stupid, unfunny images... They would still exist. And those things are a little bit more organic. Mm-hmm. And now the marketing teams know that and they're going to start just shitting out these like terrible fucking memes. Yeah, except that they probably won't because I don't know that they'll understand them. But I mean, if they don't, maybe they will. I mean, marketing teams are separate from the from the production teams, right? That's true. While, while it's clear that the production production team has no idea what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> marketing teams tend to be pretty competent. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at... You look at Cyberpunk 27 and 7, it was an amazing marketing team, and like that game sucked. Um, <laughs> you look at yeah. Witcher Season 2, which Witcher Season 1, like everyone loved, and Henry Cavill is clearly like a huge nerd and fan of that stuff, which mm-hmm. also that could be marketing. I don't know Cavill personally, but he seems he at least does his research, right? Oh, yeah. Let me go give, let me go call his mom. Yeah. <laughs> I've got his number. No, I'm also not a, a friend yeah. of his. Right, like I don't know, he 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 at least does his research. You know, he yeah. goes on these shows. He talks about Warhammer. It's like, yeah, he did. A you great know job. your audience, dude. Good job. Mm-hmm. Like, either you really are into that stuff, in which case, fantastic. Awesome. Or you do your research and you know your fans, which is also good. You respect the material enough to still like. Yeah, but obviously, like he's not in charge of that show. But I hear Witcher season two is is very unpopular with the book fans. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see how that and- goes. I can see what you mean, because in order to create a meme about something, you have to care enough about it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to want to sort of live in that world. Right. Or you just want to participate in the discussion. I think that's what it is. Like, you want to participate in the community and the discussion. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't doing that, but you're still seeing all these posts on social media, it makes me think, Mm -hmm. you know, it it screams marketing and astroturfing to me. That, That is fair. I mean, the only person I've really heard about Wheel of Time from is you, and so I don't want to watch it. But right. <laughs> <laughs> and letting you tell me all the bad media. Um, yeah. But anyway, reboots. So. Yeah, reboots. Uh, reboots. Battlestar Galactica. I have not seen the original one, but. I used to watch a couple episodes on com- on uh, Sci-Fi Channel back when Sci-Fi Channel had Sci-Fi. Yeah, those were the good days. Um, but the new one's great. So uh, we talked about what makes well, some things that we like about some good reboots, right? We talked about DuckTales, Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. um, Battlestar Galactica, 21 Jump Street. I didn't mention Dread, but I really like the new Dread with Carl mm. Urban. The um, new Dread is great. Which is kind of, it's not so much a reboot as it is an adaptation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, what, 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 are, what's the, what reboot do you hate? What's the worst reboot? That is an excellent question. 
aside from the Disney ones, which barely count. Yeah. Yeah, because that rides that kind of edge. Let me answer the question in a different way. Yeah. I think there are some things that you could not successfully reboot. I don't think that you could ever reboot Citizen Kane. I don't Mm. think that you could ever remake It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Um, Or the Maltese Falcon. Or there are some things that part of their charm is their time setting as well, right? Yeah. Like there's some things that are just... It would be almost impossible to to pierce the veil of nostalgia. I'm trying to think of someone who's attempted one that I just really didn't like. Ben-Hur? I've never seen Ben-Hur. No, they rebooted it. And that was like really unnecessary. Mm. Like no one, no one was clamoring for a, for a refresh of Ben-Hur. Okay. That was, that was never on anyone's list. And like you would think that would almost take the pressure off. Like, yeah, just make a cool movie. If you're a big fan of Ben-Hur and you wanted to remake Ben-Hur for whatever reason, maybe it Mm -hmm. could be a labor of love. But no, it was just like a special, like it came out shortly after like 300 and all that stuff. So they were trying to capitalize on the Greek thing. And like, so it was all the digital effects and the super, super digitified, like muscular body Greek thing that, that kind of was a fad for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, If you remember like the 300 Workout oh, plan, and that kind of I shit. Do. I did not do the 300 no. workout plan. I just enjoyed the fruits of their labors. <laughs> <laughs> Lost in Space 98? I haven't seen that either. Oh, you never saw it with, with fucking Joey? No. Friends? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Plays the bad boy space pilot? <laughs> That's so weird. Oh um, my god, we should, maybe we should do Lost in Space on an episode, but... I don't really necessarily, I don't know, the start. So I really like Star Trek, like the next generation. Don't really yeah, care yeah, yeah. for the new reboot movies because they're just, oh yeah, they feel purely action and they feel like they don't capture the actual universe that I love about Star, uh, Star Trek. I would agree. I would agree. I think that's kind of a situation where they're trying to go for a new audience and bring mm-hmm. in some new blood. Yeah, I get it. If they had made it not the Star Trek franchise, I would love those movies. Like, I enjoy yeah. watching them. Oh, I could I, just... I could do a whole light salt on Star Trek and how Paramount's fucking it up. Oh, well, we should. I would love yeah. that. I, yeah. I, I am cautiously optimistic about one of their new series, though. Mm. Did you ever watch the Orville? No, but I've heard good things. Oh, I haven't watched it, so I need to. Yeah. I think the thing that put me off of it is... I think like McFarlane. the main director or something was basically shat all over the fandom and said that they didn't matter. And I was like, ah, oh, it's not a good start, my friend. I think I have a hard time identifying terrible reboots because I can smell them a mile away and I won't and, go yeah. see them. So I'm like, yeah. terrible reboots that I've seen. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of, I think what makes a bad reboot is like how unnecessary it is. Mm-hmm. Like, does rebooting this franchise make any sense? Does it add anything of value or is it really just a way to like refresh a brand to try to make more money on it? And I think a lot of people can, can smell it a mile away and causes mm-hmm. those films to fail and also leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth just knowing it exists. Yeah. Like if you look at like they rebooted Total Recall a couple of years ago. I forgot that they did that. I never went and saw oh. it. Yeah, I forgot that they did that too. Yeah. They rebooted RoboCop. Do you remember that? Nope. Tron. They rebooted Tron. Tron was pretty pretty okay. 
Yeah, okay. I think Tron was like a pseudo sequel, though. Oh yeah, that's kind of part of the problem, right? Apparently, they yeah. rebooted the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, several times. Yeah, Nickelodeon has like a current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, this is like a live action movie where the turtles are all CGI'd and they look terrible. Oh yeah, no, that's that's that. Michael Bay. Ugh. Michael Bay did that one. I was thinking the cartoon that they rebooted. Yeah, so, the cartoon yeah. would be fine. I will always love all of the Godzilla movies, and no one can stop me. So, yeah, that's <laughs> in fair. fact, the Godzilla movie that had, um, oh my god, what's his fucking name? Ferris Bueller. Lady Hawk and Ferris Bueller, yeah. Matthew Broderick. Yes, Matthew Broderick. I legitimately cried when Godzilla died in that movie. I'm always on the monster side, though. Like, whenever I watch... The Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, oh, he just wants love. <laughs> I know he's really creepy and gumming about it in a terrible way. <laughs> Maybe he's just sad and he wants love. I yeah. mean, he's operatic. He's an operatic incel. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only one who has an excuse because he literally cannot know better. Everyone else. Read a book. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. That one was not great. Oh, yeah, yeah. One reboot where we changed languages, like that was kind of more mm -hmm. of an adaptation. Old Boy. Spike they made a Lee new and, Old Boy? Uh, directed by uh, Spike Lee and then like starred Josh Brolin as the main guy. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where you're kind of wondering like why this director, why this actor, why this movie? And you watch it, it, it adds nothing to the story. Like you are much better off. Like... Just, just watch old boy just watch 2003 old yeah. boy if you want to watch old boy it was it hadn't it's not even 10 it wasn't even 10 years old at the time it was 2013 that it got remade i don't think anyone could do old boy better than park chan wook that's his baby right well also right? like it's just it's a there's so many cultural aspects to old boy mm -hmm. that i like even watching it i was like oh this this doesn't translate well for me personally and then i hear they're making then like a couple <laughs> years later i hear they're remaking it and i'm just like why? There's so many aspects of this that don't translate. Yeah. That's like... After I watched Parasite the fifth time, because I love that movie, I went and read a bunch of articles or, you know, you know, things written by Korean Americans who were talking about the actual language that they use in Korea. So because there's a lot of things about the the status of the people you're talking to and you know you convey a lot of meaning based on the types of nouns you use when you talk about or to someone. And all of that's lost on an American audience because we don't have that sort of structure in our language. And so a lot of things can be missed. Same thing with the Squid Game uh mm -hmm. show. Which I finally of, watched all of. Oh yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting, cried. eh? It's I really cried. fucking sad. Gone boo. Yeah, cried like a baby. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't believe that. Horrible. I knew it was happening too. I knew exactly what he was doing. I uh, the thing about Squid Game, I was watching it, and like every twist, I saw coming. Mm -hmm. Like I, I knew, I predicted like every twist. Nothing surprised me. But at the time that 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 said twist was happening, I either had forgotten in the moment. Or I didn't care because it was like watching a slow-moving train wreck. <laughs> yeah. And like th th it helps set up like this tension and release and the way it was just plotted out and ev the way every scene and the actors are all amazing. Uh, mm. I watched it in, like I watched it in the Korean with 
the English subtitles. Mm-hmm. Not because like I'm a dubbed snob or anything, but like I watched the first five minutes with it dubbed and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do like the, the, the voices not matching the mouths and like, especially like if you're used to hearing any Korean at all, there's like a lot of like tonal mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. facial expression stuff that like really matters. Um, you know, when it comes to acting, I just don't think the dub was really capturing that. Yeah, I feel like I should go back and watch it with the Korean. I actually watched the dubbed version mainly because Oh man, the the Korean is it's so emotional. Like it's just so much like just the especially like the wails of anguish. It's just like piercing. Oh, yeah. Maybe I won't <laughs> go back and watch it. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's 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 not a happy. You know. No. It's not an uplifting show. I'm sorry, but I interrupted you talking about Squid Game. Oh, no, that was it. It was basically just there. Basically what you were saying, which is essentially there are things that are difficult to translate between cultures, which is when you become an adaptation. Like you could do a version of Old Boy that's suited for more American audiences, but you have to change a lot of it. Yeah. And and, and also like why do that? Yeah. And at that point, (laughs) it's already the perfect version of itself. What are you trying to gain? Is it just money? Is it? Just because you like it, so you want to remake yeah. it? That's hubris right there. Right. And they've like they've and they've been trying to like there's one studio or another in the US has been trying to adapt a reboot Akira for an American audience. And that what? makes Yeah. It, it, for for year, ever since I mean, ever since I've I've been paying attention, right? For decades. They've mm-hmm. been like one studio or another has been trying to get the resources together to make a live action American version of Akira. And it just doesn't make sense because that story, that setting, those characters were such a product of their time. Mm-hmm. Like it was like Japan at the time. It's not even like Japan now. It's so distinctly and culturally important to that period of time and the social issues that they were facing there in their culture. So like trying to bring it over here, there's there are some places we could translate pretty well i think mm-hmm. but they're the kind of decisions that most studios or directors probably would be afraid to make yeah and it's also back to your question why why would you do this Ooh, i think i know one of my least favorite reboots the stepford wives you mean stepford wives with uh matthew broderick oh yes speaking back uh to matthew yeah, so we actually watched the original one. The tones are very different. The message is very different. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't hold up as well. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the original, but... Yeah. I haven't seen either of them, to be honest. It just kind so, of... Ultimately, it's like, yeah, are you trying to reboot something because... You love it and you want mm-hmm. more of it, right? Yeah. You want yeah. to give it the modern massage and resources or are you just trying for a money grab? Like they remade yeah. Conan the Barbarian. How do you remake Conan the Barbarian now without Arnold and the lamentation yeah, of tough. the women, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which Conan Barbarian is a, you know, that could have come up in the adaptations episode because it's it a good have, series, yeah. like Tarzan. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
I think the one thing that a lot of bad reboots have in common is that lack of love and respect for the the source material. Mm-hmm. Like even Ocean's Eleven, which departed wildly from its source material, like you could tell there was still a lot of care given, and and they understood what they were doing. Yeah, there's a spirit to it. Like you could absolutely reboot RoboCop and make it work. Mm-hmm. Not the way they did it, you know. Like. It's it's funny because RoboCop is like such an indictment of capitalism. And so they <laughs> remake it to make money because capitalism. Because capitalism. Yeah. You know, the best form of satire is reality. Mm-hmm. Um, another terrible reboot. I just remembered the Wicker Man. The new Wicker Man sucks. Bees. Bees. The bees. <laughs> the old Wicker Man. Super great. And it also, you know, the atmosphere of the older movie is just so fucking spot on. And the new one's just terrible. And yeah, reboots and sequels and adaptations, all that stuff. It feels like, like they're, they're dominating the media landscape nowadays. They're going to continue to do so Mm -hmm. because they're easy, especially with blockbusters. Like those movies, it's like, it's, it's safe. And there's like a huge interconnected web of reasons why, this mm-hmm. is happening. DVD sales aren't high. Streaming services have taken over DVD sales. So like movies that would used to like not make much money in the box office that would make a ton of money in DVD sales aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. So studios are reluctant to put, you know, 250 million or 100 million into a movie that would like is a whole other thing because mm-hmm. they got to make a return on their investment. Mm-hmm. Um. I would much rather have a simple movie with a great story than all of yeah. the bullshit that they make today. But yeah. And it's getting harder and harder to see those movies. I mean, there's some light at the end of the tunnel with like streaming services mm-hmm. be allowing some of the more niche ideas to like have a marketplace where they yeah. make some money, but it's not going to be anywhere on the level that, that DVD sales used to hit. There's also the interesting virtue signaling feminist reboot of things like Ghostbusters. I actually haven't seen the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. That, the... So that's a tricky one. I've seen like, I've seen scenes of it and I just knew it wasn't my thing. And the thing that really bugs me about that is that it had everything going for it. Mm-hmm. I love all of those women. Right. Who are in Ghostbusters. Well, it's like oceans eight oceans eight had fucking star power for days and it mm-hmm. was terrible. Mm-hmm. Because the, the director's, don't love the source material. Yeah, because they don't love the source material. You can tell when it's just for money or when someone's just mm-hmm. phoning it in, right? But like, like, like Kate can... McKinnon is one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's hilarious. But the, they, they stick her in a room with a director that didn't want to actually write or direct anything. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to like have the comedians like improv on it. And like <laughs> those comedians are all great comedians. None of them are known for improv. Right. Like, that's a whole other skill set, my dude. It completely is. And it's just one of those things, right? Where they're like, oh, well, the market wants this. The market clearly wants an all-female Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. No, not really. I mean, I, I, I kind of do. I do. But I want it to be good. Like, I also want it to be good. It yeah, can't just be I an it- all- <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to articulate that better. Yeah. We want it, but we don't want it just to exist we don't want it because right. oh my gosh and it, a- it doesn't need to be oceans right yeah we just 
give me some other all-female heist movie. Like, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that'd be great. And not try to crowbar it into some sort of format. Tell me a story. Make it important. Yeah. Why are they all women? You know? Mm-hmm. Not just some sort of vague, we all have uteruses, so obviously we get along sort of mm. rule. Or or even better, don't address it. Just have them all be women, because no one ever has to address it when it's old men. Right? Just <laughs> don't even bring it up. Don't make it part of your marketing. This is a heist movie. These are the characters in it. They all happen to be women. Fuck you. Yeah. One of my favorite Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes is, she was asked when she wa- um I'm gonna. I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact wording, but she was basically asked by one of her colleagues um, when she would be satisfied, like how many women had to be on the Supreme Court before she was satisfied. And she said all of them. She wanted all of the seats to be women. And the man who asked her was aghast. And she was like, mm-hmm. well, they've been all men for the last like 100 years or whatever. Why? Yeah. Why is that? No okay? one batted an eye. <laughs> yeah, no one. No one even batted a fucking eye. So. Yeah. I just I just want to get to the point where it's not even any discussion topic. We just have equal representation of all of these different voices and ideas, and they're not just trying to scrape money out of my heart, you know? Yeah. But that's what it feels like. It feels like when they create these shallow characters or shallow versions, these terrible versions that have not been given any love or attention or artistry, down our throats that's what it feels like it feels like quit you are just yeah and that that gets into like there's a whole thing i want to talk about toxic fandom at some point Mm -hmm. because i have a lot of opinions and i'd love to bring on maybe some of my game development friends because i think the relationship between game developers and their fans is like wild yeah it's absolutely wild i've never seen a more antagonistic relationship between a a producer and their customer that whole um, relationship needs to go to therapy. <laughs> so. Right? Some couples therapy for an entire industry and its fan base. Yes. yes. Um, so like, we're, we're coming up on an hour. So um, I just kind of want to start wrapping up the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to have like two more questions. What kind of, what, what reboot would you like to see? Like, would you really like to see a film question. rebooted? Hmm. Ask your second question and I'll think about this. Okay. What reboot would you not like to see? Oh, I feel like I kind of answered that earlier with like yeah, I know. the stuff they're already making. You want them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> if they remade It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. I'd be really upset. Okay. If they remade another movie that is dear to me. Like, I don't think that they could remake the Shawshank Redemption. I don't think that would ever work. Yeah. And also be pretty unnecessary. Yeah, there there are just some combinations of like Pretty Woman. They could never remake Pretty Woman. I don't necessarily love Pretty Woman now, but yeah, sometimes you just strike gold with the combination of cast, and there's just a there's just a spirit that's captured that can't be recaptured later. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I would love to see rebooted. I really want to see a new Hey Arnold. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want to see Hey Arnold in the modern era, because I feel like Hey Arnold was way ahead of its time when it came out, and I want to see an equally ahead of its time now, Hey Arnold. It showed a lot of different types of characters and cultures. It showed an alternative family structure. It, you know, showed wealth disparity issues, all sorts of stuff. It was just really, really 
heavy hitting and I would a hundred percent watch a new Harold. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sh- like, it's, it's cool, but it's a shame that that creator is now making a show for much younger audiences about trains who time travel on a dinosaur or dinosaurs that time travel on a train. Oh my gosh. We need um, to make a trains show that time trains travel on a dinosaur. A la Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, hey, Arnold would be cool. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That's another one. I mean, I'm pretty thrilled that DuckTales, like I'm trying to think of things that I want to be remade for this modern generation. If there was any possible way that anyone could ever approach the magic of Mr. Rogers, mm. I would I would love that because I feel like that's a voice that's missing right now. Yeah. Yeah. In the world, that, that just in company, general. That company mm-hmm. is making a lot of good young children's shows. Right? Daniel Tiger. Daniel stuff. Tiger is great. Uh, Don Quixote is great. They are, you know, they're gentle shows that tackle developmental things that a, you know, young toddler-ish kid is running into. It's a lot of behavioral mm-hmm. regulation and problem solving. Mm-hmm. We need it for all ages, right? Like, I need a Mr. Rogers neighborhood for adults, please. <laughs> Help yeah. me go through all of the things I'm going through right now. Like, parents getting sick and dealing with setting boundaries with people who disagree with you and all of these really difficult... <laughs> That's just psychology yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? What do you want to see rebooted? You know, I would I would reboot The Hobbit. Ooh, because I hated how they handled that. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it, they should have made The Hobbit a fun adventure film in the world of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, not a prequel epic fantasy to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I can see that. Like it should have been a fun adventure film. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I was excited to go see. So I was really disappointed by what it became. And I would really like to see that done justice. Yeah, that's a good one. What I would not like to see, like a lot of stuff I don't want to see is stuff that still works. You know? Oh, you mean stuff that is fine as it is? Yeah, that you can still watch today and enjoy. Like, mm-hmm. if, like I don't want to see a reboot of My Cousin Vinny. Oh, oh that would be terrible. You know? Yeah. I don't want to see a reboot of uh, the Godfather, which honestly, I mean, that movie has issues, but like, I don't want to see a reboot of it. I don't want right. to see a reboot of, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Citizen Kane earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think you totally could reboot it today, but you'd have to like make a lot of changes and know why you're making those changes and acknowledge mm-hmm. those changes, like in, within the text of the piece. But I think some of those changes would be, it'd be more like why make a reboot of Citizen Kane when you could just make an homage to it. Right. Would be Especially better. because Citizen Kane has the whole, oh, best movie ever made, whatever, yeah. on it. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. That. yeah, just just do an homage. Like, because Citizen um, Kane is one of those things where it's like, the things it achieves, like, every year becomes less and less the best movie ever made, even though it is one of my favorite films, because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, a snob. Uh, I finally saw it after a long time, and I was like, you know what? For the time that this was made, this movie was amazing. There was a lot of technical things that made yeah. that movie impossible, and they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the story of it is a very interesting one that actually could really use a modern revisiting, mm-hmm. because it's a lot of it is about this 
man and his own relationship to his ego and his his toxic personality traits. Right. Um, It's about masculinity in the time that it's in. It's about Mm -hmm. wealth disparity. It's about, you know, a guy who has everything in the world, but the one thing he's missing is the thing you can't buy. Right. And his relationship with that thing. You were 100% right. I think it, and it touched me when I watched it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could, you could do a modern version that was maybe a little bit more universal and less like, this is a story about a rich white dude who hates his life. (laughs) (laughs) I, in sort of a similar vein, I'd really like to see Forrest Gump remade. Hmm. In a more modern, politically correct way. Like, I know we're probably going to watch that on this show. And it was definitely a movie that was important to me when I was younger. Because my brother has developmental disabilities, Mm. right? So he's got special needs. And so that was really the only... It was really the only media at the time, anyway, that I saw that had anyone even close to what he was like represented. And he was powerful, right? Like, he was the main character of this film. And he did all of these great things. And that's exactly what I wanted for my brother, um, I would, but love. there are some deeply problematic aspects to that movie. And I oh, think yeah. it would be really, really fun to have that be redone in sort of like a big fish kind of way where it's yeah. just a little bit fantastical, but also really heartfelt and meaningful and a story about people and lives and the yeah, lives they touch. I, I feel like Forrest Gump, the film is so iconic mm-hmm. in what it is that you I don't think a reboot could do well. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see is like, a, like another thing where it's like an homage. A con- like you take mm-hmm. the core concept of it, of like this man who lived through the, the zeitgeist of all of these different eras of American history and mm-hmm. like how those important, like this one guy mm-hmm. happened to be at every important cultural moment. Mm-hmm. I think that would be good. I think you would run into a lot of problems doing that movie and making it palatable. Yeah, because I you wasn't couldn't saying do it'd be that. Easy. <laughs> you couldn't. You can't. You can't do like a modern Forrest Gump without touching on nine eleven. Right. Black Lives Matter, and you really don't want to make light of like Forrest Gump chilling at the towers on the day it happens, eating a hot dog. You know, football player decided to take a knee. Some mm-hmm. people decided they didn't like that very much. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because. I feel like maybe the events that he covered before are more palatable because they're in the past and we've, we've felt removed from them in the way that humans convince themselves that they're different yeah. now. Well, the culture moved aren't. on a lot at that point, yeah. right? Like the culture, like the culture and the zeitgeist had moved on by the time Forrest Gump came out, you know, the Vietnam war was, was a huge deal in the American culture, but mm-hmm. it, it just, it's not the same as like the single horrific event that we are mm-hmm. responsible for. Cause even then, like even in the movie, Vietnam wasn't seen as like a U.S. fault responsibility. It was this thing yeah. that happened to, to forest. Right. Um, I imagine it would be something similar, right? Like they don't look yeah. anything head on. They don't talk about why Vietnam is terrible. They just kind of show it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be the same thing yeah. with like police violence and, and the, the backlash and the protests and the, the, the mm-hmm. counter protests and the proud boys and all that stuff. It, it's hard to do those like, Oh, that's just something that happened to me when it was I think like, it's maybe because we haven't digested it down into a palatable couple of sentences. Like we do with the rest yeah. of history. Right? It, it, like in it doesn't 20 have a comfortable years, narrative yet. Mm-hmm. 
And I kind of hope it never gets one, but that's not how history works, right? In 20 yeah. years, you know, Trump's presidency will be a paragraph in a book that no one reads. One well, maybe not 20 years. Let's give it 60. <laughs> yeah, Trump is going to be probably going to be one of those presidents and events that's going to be poured over forever the way Andrew Jackson is or the way... Only by people who care. I've never read right, a book like about Andrew Jackson. And stuff. Yeah. But, so. but you, you probably know more about Andrew Jackson than you do about, say, Garfield. Actually, didn't Garfield get assassinated? No, he was a cat that ate a lot of lasagna. Yeah. It can be both. <laughs> You're right. I'm also just showing my ignorance because I'm really bad about history. I know, I know I mean, Andrew Jackson is on money and Garfield is not. <laughs> yeah. So. Yet. Oh. New Garfield coin. But. Reboot. Cryptocurrency. Reboot. <laughs> cryptocurrency is the reboot of the fiat dollar. Yeah. But. So part of it is like just history is taught poorly. Mm-hmm. Not with this. Real quick, history is taught poorly. It's taught as a series of dates and battles, and that's just dumb and stupid and nonsensical. You look at like fucking the whole say like if those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Does not mean that if you don't remember the Battle of Antietam happened on this date at this place means that you know at a future date and time we're going to have another Battle of Antietam. You're going to look not around what and be like, means. "What? This is Antietam? Run!" <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's all they teach, right? And they should be teaching right. like the, the 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 movers and the shakers, the the mechanics, the things that drove the engine of change and progress yeah. and history. Those all are the things we're doomed to repeat. History should be just the hubris of man lessons, right. chapter after chapter after chapter after yeah. chapter. Like you remember D Day, but do you remember like how we got there? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't mean like in the basic sense, because, because again, you're going to tell, like, people are going to tell you fucking Pearl Harbor. They're going to tell me dates of mm-hmm. conflict. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, they're not going to say like, you know, like there was a growing movement of fascism of, in Germany that. Yeah. Or the, assassin, yeah. Uh, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand caused right. a world war. It was not right. the killing of one man did not spark yeah. an entire yeah. world war you know most people most people not history not history buffs could not tell you why franz ferdinand was assassinated in the first place right like that that wasn't something that just happened it wasn't like the dude it wasn't he wasn't just eating a sandwich going like i think i'm gonna kill that fucker right like that's not how that went <laughs> i don't like his name <laughs> <laughs> good thing i've got all my assassin tools on me <laughs> yeah i just keep them in the trunk <laughs> right <laughs> doesn't everybody no no they do not no i keep mine in the closet at home yeah i keep you know and what happens in the bedroom is my own (laughs) (laughs) gross (laughs) (laughs) anyway reboots rebooting the boots rebooting the boot we're we're fixing a reboot world war ii yeah um that is a reboot i do not want to (laughs) see Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I think fuck kind of sums up this decade so far. Yeah. You know, if we count the decade as starting in 2020. eh. Yeah. Do you remember the beginning of 2020? It was like the first five days and things were real bad. Every day something terrible happened. I can't even remember the sequence of events. Yeah. There was like fires in Australia. There was the fires in Australia. The whole election bullshit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, heh. Oh, there's yeah. murder wasps, too. I think murder, oh, murder wasps, wasps. Were That was a set, yeah. 
I and was the next thing is, is like half of the things you're like, did that ever go away? Probably not. No. We just stopped talking about it because something just, else even more horrible started happening. Yeah, exactly. It's also interesting because all of our experiences, even now, right? I We're experiencing these things. We're, we're dealing with COVID. We're having these inconveniences. And there's still such small, small degrees of suffering compared to what the rest of the world has endured for such a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, no, we can't go out to the movies. Like, my life is genuinely worse off, right? Like, I mm-hmm. have a lot of my freedoms removed. But there are freedoms that a lot of other people have never even tasted. So I'm constantly having this survival, survivor's guilt, which is also just one of the cornerstones of my personality, which is that I just constantly feel bad all the time about these things. But yeah. So so a, just, modern, so a modern fucking Forrest Gump would suck. Yes. <laughs> It's a takeaway. It would, it would what be if we a did downer. Forrest Gump in another country? What if we did um, Forrest Gump for, with someone else's um, zeitgeists? Yeah, that's a, a little imperialist. I'm talking about from their perspective, not like. I mean, if they like, want to make one, that's sure, what I'm saying. Yeah, it. like yeah. I want. But someone, if like we, like if America, if an American Hollywood studio decided to make like a Japanese Forrest Gump, that might be a little bit. That was not that was not my point at all. I was saying I would love to learn about history in that yeah. way about another country. That would be You know, fun. I bet I bet there's some sort of I bet there's a lot of cultural equivalence if you go looking. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't think I simultaneously would love to and would hate to see a remake of Fiddler on the Roof. I think so here's actually I have a thought on that. Because I'm Fiddler ready. on the Roof is such like a Broadway theatrical yes. like stage theater thing mm-hmm. and like that's how you experience live theater mm-hmm. it's always a different cast and a different director mm-hmm. same script same all that stuff but it's always different because that live performance brings a whole other dimension to it so Correct. i feel like if, if something was going to be remade a bunch of times anything with that stage background that theatrical history I think is perfect for that kind of thing. You look at, I'm you look say at anything word. by Shakespeare, you know, and it just works. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready for my one word? Cats. <laughs> well, I mean, not every, <laughs> not, <laughs> not every troop does it the best. Okay. <laughs> like they could remake cats again. It would be fine. Yeah. Butthole version or no butthole version. That's the real question. <laughs> Oh, poor. There's there's some person out there whose entire job was to remove, remove fake cat buttholes from a bunch of. <laughs> no, you know, it, it, the worst part is it's probably the same poor f- asshole who had to put them there in the first place. It's true. It's the most <laughs> like, thankless task. It's like, like, hey, you remember how we made you crunch 80 hours two weeks ago to put buttholes on everybody? <laughs> You're going to hate me, but. Word from the top is those need to go. In summation, we're so sorry, butthole adder and remover. Don't remake Forrest Gump unless you can be really, really culturally sensitive. And also be careful with your reboots, folks. I think I think a reboot should be done just with the same love and care you do. Like with anything, respect the craft, respect. Should be done by a person who loves the original. Yeah. At least, you know, try, just try, do some research, you know, 
give it a go. Give it the college try. All right. Good old college try. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> and and if anybody out there in the in the movie industry, high up in the movie industry, I know plenty of people in the industry. But anybody up top, you're working on something. There's a huge fan base. Give me a ring. I will talk your ear off until you hate me. So an hour and 20 minutes later, I think we've gone on long enough about reboots. Where's our timer? Did our timer not go off? Did we not oh, set I one? Did, no, I didn't really set one. I've just been watching the record timer. Oh, we're too distractible to even set a timer for... <laughs> this one's longer than some of our movie episodes, but... Um, There's a space. We can edit stuff out. Um, I hope this episode was entertaining. Maybe even interesting. Um, I will say this episode was both entertaining and in- interesting. And if you don't think so, you're wrong. <laughs> That's fair. I'm I'll not going to say person. that. You can be that person. Yes. Don't worry. I got this. <laughs> you know what? And you know what? If you hate it, if you like this episode, if you hate this episode, whatever, let us know. Go over to yeah. our Discord. Say something. We're definitely still at the point where any sort of attention is good attention. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you really can help us shape the future of, of the program and get it you know, into a better place. The more we hear back, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us, quit fucking rambling. And yeah. we may think about it. Yeah, that might be a, I'm sorry, that's not the show. For <laughs> this is not the show <laughs> where we stop rambling. We are not the people for that. No. Like if I, if I could stop rambling, I would have already done it in my life to improve yeah. things. But um, yeah, our, our outro would be over by now. <laughs> oh yeah. We're still on the outro. Hey everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing all our call to action stuff. Come on. Oh, yeah. We have a Twitter that we don't update and also a website and other stuff. But I'll let Matt actually do the outro because he always writes it down because he's so good at this. No, I'm terrible. That's why I write it down. <laughs> oh, no. I, I Okay, fair. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, you can come on, join us over at mediumsalt.com. While there, you can check. You can, you know, there should be a link to our Discord where you can talk directly to us. Um, you know, make sure to subscribe, all that other call to action stuff. We've got new episodes every Wednesday, and I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, Kate, stay salty. <laughs> <laughs>